giving you a general breakdown of Ball State all week, but now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty with a man who knows way more than I do about the team. That's why we're bringing him in, the expert from Ball State. That is Robbie General, Ball State beat writer for the Star Press here on the BWI Daily Edition. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having me. So, uh, Ball State travels to Beaver Stadium uh, this Saturday, 3.30 kickoff. Um, one of the things I want to start with something interesting that, that I saw that you posted online after the game last week that, and I'll, I'm going to quote you here, Ball State didn't play up to its own standard in a 31-21 victory over Western Illinois. Tell me why uh, that was the lead into your story after the game. Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, anyone who watched it that first half, obviously, you know, you go in um, tied 7-7 seven to seven against uh, uh, an FCS team in, in Western Illinois. Um, wasn't your best half of of, of play and um, I started to pick things up in the second half a little bit um, but still you know at the end of the day you know this team um, they bring back so many guys from last year's MAC championship team and, and they bring back all those guys with high expectations right you know you don't bring back 16 super seniors um, to, to win a bunch of close games or, or to just you know go six and six and, and make a bowl game they want to repeat as MAC champions this year um, so, yeah, so they were disappointed themselves. And it wasn't like a bad game by any stretch. And um, we saw a lot worse games happen in week one, certainly, across yeah. the uh, the FBS. Um, so uh, I think the big message at the end was like, hey, a win's a win, and, and that's true. But um, I think Ball State, they, they know that they – they can play on another level and they proven that, you know, last year they, they had several games where um, I mean, like the, the bowl game, for example, they just played lights out on defense. And so they proven that they can play to another level. And, and, and from, from my perspective, um, I mean, I've been either covering or watching ball state since 2014, you know, I obviously went to school there and, um, I think in years past, maybe a 10 point win would be like, who, like we won, like it doesn't right. even matter, like who we're playing. Um, so I think it's a good sign that, you know, they're, they're not satisfied with, uh, with a 10 point victory. So I think that would was more say, of the message. Would you say they were rusty in week one? Because when I was watching the, the game and then I, when I watched the film back later, it seemed like they're a really well coached, disciplined team. You mentioned 16 super seniors, so really veteran, good football players, but there seemed to be a lot of, unforced errors and sort of you know mental mistakes is is that is that fair to say and is that how you saw that game yeah they just seemed like I mean for for lack of a better term they just seemed off to me right um I think uh you know there was there's a couple drop balls here and there which you you know you know you'd never like to see um Drew Plitt missed a couple receivers down the field and and the offense just really never could get anything going it was like all right ball state's got the ball back all right they're punting again and it just kept going like that over and over in the first half and then um the second half they came out they established the run which was key um and that just opened up a whole bunch of options and and they they run um a committee type in, in the backfield and once they started pounding the ball on the ground that opened up some of their receivers for some quick outs and um then they drove down the field twice and and scored twice right uh coming out in the second half so I don't know if it was rust I don't think it was nerves um I just it, I just they just look kind of off and and um I think it took them a while to get going but um I think you also kind of see that in week one um where you know um there's not many teams that come out and, and are firing in all cylinders um maybe outside of Alabama <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> um but but yeah so it took them some time but um at the end of the day they got the job done so 
Yeah, every time you're, you're like, okay, so that was, you know, Penn State played Wisconsin week one. It was 0-0 at halftime. Wisconsin was doing sort of the same thing, a lot of unforced errors. Then you watch Alabama, and you're like, oh, okay, so there's a different level here. Uh, but that, that Ball State first half versus the second half, uh, clearly they came out in the second half and, and made some adjustments and were on their way to victory. They received, again, uh, your reporting, they received AP top 25 votes. And, and I know that you know, the polls are kind of a perception thing. They don't necessarily mean a whole lot now any day anyway. But um, I guess in general, is that a fair assessment of what you think this Ball State team is as far as they can be a, a ranked team this year when all is said and done? Or, or is it, you know, kind of the perception of what they did last year, MAC championship bringing back as much talent as they did? Where do you land on that kind of uh, thought about where they where they belong in the large picture of college football? Yeah, I think right now they're they're kind of um, in a fair spot, you know, kind of on the outside looking in. Um, they haven't had um, I mean, obviously week one didn't instill a bunch of I mean, e- even if they blew out Western Illinois, I don't think that it would have changed like AP voters minds. Right. Right. Um, but uh, but, you know, I think I think it, I mean, since they returned so much from last year and, and they played really well last year at the end, they, they beat a ranked Buffalo team. They, they beat a ranked 10th Jose State team and and really beat them in, in that bowl game. Um, so, yeah, I think they're kind of right now on the outside looking in and just kind of looking for um, some of those non-conference wins to kind of push them over. I think last year it was kind of hard to perceive them just playing MAC teams. Um, and then once they played San Jose State, you know, and, and did what they did, they finally kind of got some of that recognition and, and were ranked for the first time at the end of the season. So um, I just I think bring it back. I think that's what they expect out of themselves to be um, a ranked team kind of right around that 20 range. And. Um, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. They don't have the easiest non-conference schedule, um, but if they could, if they could roll out of here, you know, going three and one with maybe wins at at Wyoming and Army, who are also kind of right in that range too. You know, I think that gives them um, a little bit more clout, kind of moving forward and into the into the conference schedule. Let's talk about Drew Plitt. Let's get into some of the the players that I think stood out when you watched the game. Uh, he seems like a really in, in command of the offense, what sort of player is he at, at the quarterback position? Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's super comfortable with where he's at now. Um, I think this is now year three as as the full-time starter for him. So he's obviously seen it all before. Um, he's seen the down years that Ball State had, and, and he's and he stuck with it. And um, now he's kind of um, reaping some of the rewards, uh, right? So um, he's just a very kind of consistent, poised quarterback. Um, you know, I think um, at the beginning of last year, obviously um, made made a mistake in that Miami game, which led to a loss. Um, but he doesn't really put you in a lot of losing positions, and and he's he's not like a scrambling quarterback either. He's more of a pocket passer, but he's not he's not afraid to get out of the pocket and and run for ten yards. You know, if he sees, I mean, if if everyone dropped, and we saw it a couple times last week, we saw it last year. If if the defense is dropping back, he's not afraid to take the ball take the ball and run. And he had um, a couple rushing touchdowns last year too. So yeah, he's just I mean, he's just a veteran guy, super poised, super comfortable in his spot, and um, I think the team responds to him really well. And I was out of practice today and. Um, you know, for maybe as, as off as he looked in the first half of last week, you know, today he was right back, you know, hitting everything, you know, people in his face. So um, super poised, uh, a, a good leader um, for this team and um, a big reason why they've, they've been having so much success. 
seems like a guy that that makes the right decision with the football, aware of what's going on situationally, and, and can deliver the football accurately. Especially, I was impressed with their quick game, their underneath stuff. They were able to get you know into that soft part of the zone and then and get some catch and runs. Leads me to a guy that I was very impressed with and that I thought was a standout uh, in Justin Hall, the receiver for uh, Ball State. Tell me a little bit about him, his story, where he came from, and uh, and what you think about Justin Hall. Yeah, I think uh, Justin Hall is just like, you know, I think um, when you think of Ball State's offense, it kind of starts and ends with him, right? You know, he's the guy who who gets everyone going. He's he's the big playmaker, you know. He was a part of that group, um, you know, when, when Mike New first came over that, that, that came out of Georgia, you know, they grabbed a lot of guys. They started recruiting heavily out of Georgia. And, um, I mean, he, he immediately shined as soon as, as soon as he put on a Jersey. Um, I think he's the leader in the FBS in receptions, uh, active right now. Um, he's ball state's all time reception leader. And, and last week he moved up to third in receiving yards. Right. Uh, but he's not just a guy that, that can, play receiver they, they're not afraid to use him um, as kind of a jet sweep type of guy and and, and running motion and stuff like that um, they use him all over the field he kicks he returns kicks he returns punts um, he's a little undersized so he gets kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit um, but he's got the speed to make up for it and and uh, if he gets behind the secondary you know watch out because he's he's the type of guy who can turn on the burners and and uh, hit those home run type of plays he he also seems to have a good uh, rapport with Plitt as far as you know their their connection down the field. A couple good back shoulder throws seems like they're really in sync. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, I mean they've been playing together for a couple of years, and and you can see their comfortability um, whether it's in practice or or out out on game days, right? You know they're they're super comfortable with each other, and um, I think there's a lot of guys on this team that that have kind of established that rapport. But um, yeah, I think I think Clinton Hall is kind of that number one who have both been together um, for for multiple years and starting for multiple years, and um, they've both been a huge part of the offense for the past couple seasons. Ball State is coming to Beaver Stadium, 3.30 kickoff. It's a near sellout this Saturday, and we're talking with Robbie General, the star press, to get a better idea of who is coming in to Beaver Stadium. This is a team that feels, when I watch them, they, they feel super confident, despite the fact they were a little off. Would you say that this is a very confident team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 I saw it out of practice today. You know, they they take themselves serious, but not like overly serious. You know, they 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 have a bunch of veteran guys. They know what they're doing. Um, defensively, they're now in year two of Tyler Stockton's system, so they're more comfortable with what they're doing. And and their big focus is just kind of flying around and making the plays now, right? They're not thinking about what they're doing as much as as opposed to you know just going out and doing it. Um, but yeah, they're super comfortable, super confident. Um, and I think that just comes with, um, like a lot of teams across the country that return a bunch of guys, I think that just comes with that veteran leadership um, that they've kind of built up over the years. And um, I think experiencing uh, some success last year did not hurt that uh, one bit either. Tell me about the offensive line. Seems like a, a unit that works well together. Yeah, this, and this is a veteran offensive line too. Um, pull it, pull up the depth chart. <laughs> I was going to um, say they they acted like it. You know, I I was really impressed with their with the way they worked together. So I was I was assuming I didn't take a look, but I assume they were all pretty veteran, right? Yeah, yeah, all of them. Um, four out of the five are starters from last year. They're 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 right tackle from last year. Joseph Boggs, uh, um, 
Mike New said earlier this week he had a shoulder injury and he was in a sleeve today, so I'm assuming he's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, but Damon Kaler and, and Corey Stewart did a good job protecting that right side. Um, I mean, but when you look at this lineup, you know, you got Caleb Slavin, who's who's a fifth-year guy who's been starting um, really since he was a freshman. He came right in. He's actually a local guy here in the Muncie area and, and came right in and um and and showed why why they recruited him um Jalen Turner Curtis Blackwell who I think was an Outland Trophy watch list guy um Anthony Todd who's coming back for another year as a starter and um so yeah it's just a real veteran group and and they're another one that another group that's kind of comfortable with each other and have been through the 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 ups and downs um and um they're they're just embracing kind of a being a, a different team than they were um as freshmen you know when it, it the way they describe it as a kind of broken culture um, back in those two and 10 seasons and those 50 and 60 point losses. And um, I think they're just having a great time, you know, um, being the hunted as opposed to the, uh, the hunters uh, in, in a sense. You mentioned there's a, there's a timeshare in the backfield and that when they were able to get the, the running game established, help their passing game in the second half last week. Are there any guys outside of Justin Hall to be aware of that you think can have uh, and make a difference on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Will Jones, um, he, he's a redshirt senior. He's another local guy from from kind of the the, the greater uh, Indianapolis area. Um, but he, he had a really he had a career high, I believe, last week, you know, 94 yards. Um, and that's that's because Ty Evans, who's kind of their bruiser type back, has been out all fall camp and. He wasn't practicing today, so I would doubt that he would be playing on Saturday. Um, but then, you know, they 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 go down. They got a, a, a speedy guy in Donnie Marcus um, who can make things happen, and um, I think he could have had a better day had a ball not floated over his head on a screen. Um, and then they the true freshman Carson Steele, who's uh, Indiana Mister Football from last year. Um, the dude just, I mean, he doesn't look like a freshman, you know, sometimes it takes freshmen to kind of build into their bodies and I'm actually going to write a story on him tonight. I mean, he just looks like a college athlete and he came out last week. I think it was like seven rushes for 70 something yards and the 37 yard, uh, touchdown right up the middle. And, um, I think he's going to be a guy that, uh, in Carson Steele, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a, a familiar name uh, sooner rather than later here. And, and he stepped into his first college game. I think his first carry was a fourth and one. Um, so talk about a fun situation to go into having to pick yeah. up a first down, but he got it done. Super impressive. So um, yeah, they they can just sub guys in and out. And I think there are other receivers too. Johan Tyler is, is a bigger guy, six, three, um, who's more of like the NFL type build, I guess. And then uh, Jay Sean Jackson, who had a couple catches last week. He's a Cincinnati transfer. Um, I think um, it's only a matter of time before he kind of starts breaking out and, and has some better games. So um, across the board, I mean, it's just it's it's kind of crazy to look at and, and see all the weapons um, they do have, and, and they're not afraid to rotate guys in and out offensively or defensively. Uh, Robbie, something interesting you said a little bit earlier that actually surprised me you said this is the second year they've been in a new defensive scheme right mm -hmm. uh, th that's secondary though how long have they been playing together because they seem like a unit that that communicates well and a lot of really smart players is that another veteran part of the 16 super seniors that came back yeah yeah and, and, and the safeties Brett Anderson and Bryce Cosby have been there and, and Cosby's kind of um 
the hint between him and Brandon Martin. I mean, they're the leaders of that defense through and through. Um, Ameche Uzodinma, um, and then you get JT Wahi back. He was a first-year grad transfer from Norfolk State. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've been super comfortable with each other. And then, you know, when Wahi's not in there or Uzodinma's not in there, they just kind of sub in Nick Jones, who got interception last week too. So um, that's secondary. They're super confident. And um, it's, it's funny, I was listening to the broadcast of the Penn State game, um, and, and they kept talking about that bend don't break defense, right? And yeah. and I think that secondary really takes and the ball state secondary really takes pride in that. Whereas I mean, you look on paper, they give up a lot of yardage, but when when push comes to shove, they they find a way to make plays. Like last week, I think Western Illinois was three for thirteen on third down, um, despite you know ball state giving up close to four hundred fifty yards. Um, I think you'll t- I think you'll take that exchange, um, giving up four hundred fifty yards. Um, maybe not some of the the bigger plays like the seventy yard touchdown, seventy five yard touchdown pass they had, um, yeah. but yeah, they're, they they definitely have that bend don't break mentality, and um, they they definitely tighten up uh, when it gets uh, into the red zone as well. Tell me about a little more about Bryce Cosby. Uh, I I love a good Sam linebacker slot safety hybrid, the guy that literally you don't have a good classification for him other than he's a good football player. He he kind of stood out to me in, in the in the versatility of how he was used. How has he grown into that role? Yeah, you know, it's it's so crazy. I mean, Bryce is a guy who's really, I mean, he is like, I think the veteran presence, I think across the board, you know, every Monday they have a, they have a podcast with the Ball State Sport or Athletics group and um, it's, it's head coach Mike New and it's Bryce Cosby right next to him. And I think there's a reason for that. You know, he's, he's, he's a leader um, and you can just kind of hear it in his voice and, and you can see it kind of out in the field. And he's another guy who's, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he just goes out and, and finds a way to make plays and, and puts guys in the right position. And um, I mean, he's, he's been a veteran presence on this defense and, um, and he's one of those guys, you know, that, you know, at the beginning when they were talking about bringing everyone back, you know, he was one of the voices who's like, let's, let's do this. Let's get it going. He was the one who started that Detroit or bust mantra last year. Um, and even after, their first week loss um, never kind of strayed away from it and then Ball State ended up going to Detroit and winning their first MAC championship in 20 plus years and, and win their first bowl game so yeah he's he's um, probably one of the biggest presence if not the biggest presence I would say um, on either side of the field another guy that stood out to me it's interesting that, that you referenced him the way you did Nick Jones I know he got the interception but seems like a guy that knows how to keep his eyes on the quarterback how to play his zone really well. What's his role in the defense? And, uh, you know, I guess what sort of impact does he have for Ball State? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's another one of those guys. And and I think this whole secondary um, is is a bunch of guys that um, they're super athletic. I think they're more confident this year coming in. You know, um, I, I think the most interesting thing in practice and, and, and Bryce was kind of one of the leaders in this, but the, all the cornerbacks did it. You know, they would jaw back and forth at the receivers and, you know, get kind of chippy at times. But, you know, you love to see that type of thing. And and Nick Jones is one of those guys, um, just like all these other guys in the secondary that, that could make that play that can force that turnover um, and, and keep up with whatever receiver you kind of put on him and, and be confident doing it. And whether he's starting or not, you know, a guy who's more than comfortable going out there and, and filling whatever role of uh, manner zone is needed. It's going to another veteran secondary that Penn state is uh, going up against last week. Wisconsin had, uh, I think three super seniors and two seniors. So it's not going to get any easier for Penn state with more veterans and more players that have been uh, playing football for a long time at the college football level. Uh, the defensive front, give me your impressions of that group and what you think about them. 
Yeah, I think the the most uh, interesting thing about them is you know you get, you obviously got your starters on the depth chart, but um, these guys rotate th- through nine or ten guys, and and you know you saw that early in the Western Illinois game where you know you got three down linemen and and they only play with three down linemen, right? So you got three yeah. of them out there, maybe a player or two, pull them out, put three more in, and and they're just a nuisance, you know. Um, Tavion Woodard was obviously the guy who got back to back sacks at, at an important time last week. But, um, I mean, Chris Adjaman, Justin Ramsey, Jack Soppy, Kyron Mims, you know, um, John Harris, and, you know, there's Jordan Ward who's a graduate transfer who's coming in. They have so many different guys. And um, Coach Keith McKenzie, you know, he's not afraid to put them all out there, and, and I think that shows on the tape. And I think that kind of throws a, a weird perception on them where, like, you know, they had all Mac players across the board except for their defensive line last year yeah. um, but that's just because they're not afraid to, to use them and I think the defensive line is, is comfortable enough um, with themselves to be like we don't really care who's doing the job as long as we're getting the job done and um, I think last week especially in stopping the run um, they, they showed how, how much of a force they can bring for sure. I was super interested to see how they lined up too, because they're they're not just your traditional three down front. They do some more complex things with their alignment. Penn State struggled to run the ball last week, but when they were able to get some drives going, they used a no huddle to kind of put the you know uh, put the uh, pressure on Wisconsin. Do you think in that situation, you know, wanting to rotate, do you think that 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 front seven can hold up if they have to play a couple of plays in a row and if Penn State does able to hit one of those and get their hurry-up offense going? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I mean, in that case, you know, obviously you can't run guys off the field and back on, but um, I think this defensive line, you know, they're 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 pretty big size-wise, but um, they have enough athleticism, and, and if, if you need to run some, some of those, um, more athletic guys and 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 some of the, and bring in maybe some of the outside linebackers. I, I don't think there's a problem um, with Ball State doing that, but it would be interesting to see because um, Western Illinois didn't run a lot of up tempo um, last week, and um, I know Ball State offensively did. So seeing them respond to that would certainly be interesting. And um, you know, just because they, you know they try to stay as fresh as they can, and, and I'd be interested to see how that's going to play out over four quarters, um, just depending on who's on the field, you know, when Penn State trying to run up tempo and stuff like that. So, Robbie, what do you think? Uh, do you think that the – because I think really the defense to me, with the way they play as a unit from the back seven and, and the way they're able to play, I think, a, a good coverage scheme, some complex stuff, and that front seven, do you think that Ball State's defense can frustrate Penn State and Sean Clifford enough to keep this game within – you know, scoring distance for, for Nick Jones. And I'm sorry for uh, Justin Hall in the offense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think it's really going to come down to, and I think the biggest focus this week was, um, you know, not letting up those big plays. And, you know, that's obviously what hurt Wisconsin last week too, right? You know, they, yeah. a couple of big plays, you know, set up Penn State to to, to, to win that game. Um, so it's going to be about limiting those. And they don't seem too concerned. And I think that's just another one of those kind of week one jitter type things and trying to figure things out. Um, I'm more so, you know, not so much like the big plays that they can't stop them, but I'm wondering how, you know, the lack of um, communication, you know, having to, to – go to nonverbal yeah. communication just because these guys that play in front of big crowds, but they've never played in front of a hundred thousand plus. So, um, you know, you, you want, you always wonder if, you know, a breakdown and it, it could only be one that, that leads to like a 60 yard touchdown or something like that. So um, that would be my main concern, but I think they have the athleticism um, 
to, to, to cause some issues. And I think they have um, enough guys that, that can force some turnovers. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to need that defense to, to force a turnover to, and, and to give you the advantage um, to get the ball back in, in ball state's hands. If they want to pull out the upset here. Uh, just one last question. What do you think about Penn state? What stood out to you? If you got a chance to watch them in week one. Yeah, I, I think the first thing right off the bat, just watching that Wisconsin game is just their, their pass rush. It was relentless, you know, early on. And um, I think I tweeted out something to the fact that, you know, Paul State's offensive line, they're going to have their hands full, you know, trying to keep those guys at bay. And um, I, I, I think that bend don't break mentality and maybe you got a couple of lucky breaks um, at Penn State did um, in the red zone, you know, a couple fumbles um, by Wisconsin. But, um, you know, it's you don't often see, you know, a team hold another team to one for four in, in the red zone. You know, that's really impressive. So um, I, I think the biggest thing that stood out for me, at least looking at Ball State side, is, you know, trying to, to give Drew Plitt enough time um, or opening enough holes to, to establish their own game, to give Drew Plitt enough time to pass the ball um, and and find a way to stop that pass rush because, um, man, they, they truly were relentless, uh, especially in the first half uh, last week. Robbie General, the Star Press, he's joining us today. Are you going to be at the game? I will be, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm pulling double duty at the paper here, so I'll be covering a high school game Friday night, uh, writing up that, and then uh, taking a quick cat nap at the office and uh, driving <laughs> seven and a half hours uh, out to Pennsylvania. So uh, it's going to be a long drive, but um, I'll stop by a gas station, get some energy drinks, and, and be right on my way, so. Well, I hope you enjoy your trip to Happy Valley. We're happy to have you, and I uh, hope you have a good time at Beaver Stadium on Saturday. Thanks for joining us today in the BWI Daily Edition. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, to my first trip out to Penn State, for sure. Should be a good time. 3.30 is the kickoff. Uh, and uh, don't forget, we're going to have BWI live here on YouTube postgame, a live postgame show after the game, 20 minutes Post-final whistle, we'll be giving you analysis and breakdown of what happened. I'll be giving you the X's and O's and the larger story of whatever happens between Penn State and Ball State. And don't forget, coming up tomorrow, Ryan Snyder and Ryan Snyder's best bets along with recruiting on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be back tomorrow.